The Bible reading this evening is from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 31.、Uh, you can find it on the page 1695 in the Blue Bible. The priest and the captain of the temple guards and the seducers came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was the evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, were there, and so were Capias, John, Alexander, and others of high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this: you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify, but whom God raised from the dead, and this man stand before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders reject, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that this man had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with this man? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. But to stop these things from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, "Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you?" Or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threat, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over forty years old. On their release. Peter and John went back to their own people, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
Sovereign Lord, they said, you make the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Hero and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you noted. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threat and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the names of your holy servants, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Thanks, Caesar. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to Acts 4, page 1695, if you've accidentally closed your, your Bibles. And please remember there'll be a time for questions after the talk. Now, well, before we get into tonight's passage, will you jo- join me as I pray? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has risen as the King over everything. Heavenly Father, please help me now to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that you'll grow our love and passion for you so that we can have the boldness to speak about you to others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Have you ever been in that situation where you've been in the minority, where it was hard to speak up? Uh, Imagine being at Game 3 of this year's State of Origin. And you're this Blues fan, where you find out that your seat is accidentally in the middle of, the, of a sea of Queensland fans. Now you can imagine how hard it would be to, to cheer for the Blues, even if they were, they were playing well that game. You can, you can imagine the pressure to be silent because of the people around. The pressure to just watch and to keep to yourself. I don't know if you've been in a similar situation when you've been at the game, whatever football code you follow, but if you're here and you're a Christian, I'm sure there have been times when you've felt that pressure to be silent, to not let anyone know that you're a Christian, to not speak up about Jesus and the things he stands for. You know, that pressure just to be quiet, to just blend in, and to be like everyone else. Well, what we see from God's word tonight is how God's people are to respond when they're faced with the pressure to be quiet. And we'll see that God, by his spirit, gives us the boldness to speak up. Uh, Tonight we're going to see four things. Firstly, we're going to see the confrontation between the disciples and the Sanhedrin. Uh, The Sanhedrin are the Jewish leaders. Uh, Then secondly, the response of the Sanhedrin. Uh, Thirdly, the response of the church. And fourthly, our response. Uh, But firstly, some context. Uh, What 
we've seen in these past four weeks of looking at the book of Acts is how Jesus is still at work in his world as he grows his kingdom through his disciples. And last week we saw chapter 3 where Peter and John heal a beggar who was crippled from birth. And that caught the attention of everyone at the temple that day. Well, tonight we see what happens straight after Peter explains that it was Jesus who healed that beggar. So, verse 1, chapter 4. The headhunters of the temple, the Sanhedrin, they're really annoyed at Peter and John. Because they've been preaching about Jesus and his resurrection, and so they chuck Peter and John into prison. But I don't know if you noticed, there's uh, Caesar read for us. As the headhunters arrested Peter and John, verse 4 tells us that many people believed in the message that Peter spoke. And now there are around 5,000 people who are now Christians. Where only a few days before there was only 3,000. So even with Peter and John locked up, Jesus is still growing his kingdom. Uh, The next day, Peter and John are brought before the Jewish leaders. And notice in verse 6 that Annas and Caiaphas are there. Now, Annas and Caiaphas were the guys who condemned Jesus to be executed. And so Peter and John are now standing in the same spot where Jesus stood. And so the thought that would have gone through their head would have been, oh, would history repeat itself? Would we suffer the same fate as Jesus? Now that's pretty daunting to actually think uh, for Peter and John. And then we see Jewish leaders, they question the disciples. Verse 7, they say, By what power or what name do you do this? But verse 8 tells us that Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, responds back by speaking with boldness. And he does it in a way that these Jewish leaders don't expect. Peter tells them that this man was healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And verse 12, Peter makes the point that this same name is the only name by which anyone can be saved from their sins. So we go to our next one. So how do the Sanhedrin respond to all this? Well, verse 13 tells us that they were shell-shocked. Because they could see that these guys, they were unschooled, uneducated men. They didn't go to Pharisee Bible College. Yet here they are, eloquently and confidently testifying about Jesus. And so in verse 15, the Jewish leaders, they call time out. They form their little huddle and they work out their game plan. Uh, Please read verse 16 and 17 with me about their thoughts because it's really revealing something that's really significant. Uh, Verse 16 says this. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. Verse 17. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. You know, it's funny. The Jewish leaders know that the way to stop the spread of this new infectious
tradition called Christianity, for them to stop it is for people to not speak the name of Jesus to others. You see, the Jewish leaders, they're in damage control. They don't want this Christianity thing to spread. They recognize they've got to contain the spill. So they recognize they have to shut people up. You see, these Jewish leaders, they know where the power is. But here's the thing, the the reverse logic also applies to us. Unlike the Jewish leaders, we're people who want everyone to know about Jesus. We want God's kingdom to grow and spread. And it will only spread if we speak up. If we speak the name of Jesus to those we know. So please recognize how important it is to speak about Jesus because God's spoken word is where the power is. Well, the Jewish leaders, they command Peter and John not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Well, how does Peter and John respond? Well, please read verse 19 with me. It says this. Verse 19. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Now Peter and John, they recognize, given how big God is, then logically it's pretty stupid to listen to twisted, self-serving leaders over God. Now I reckon this is something that we can actually all struggle with. Because all of us at some level, and myself included, are people pleasers. We want the people that we care about to be happy. But we can go too far on this to the point that we'll tell them what they want to hear, we'll do what they want us to do, at times we'll even be the people that they want us to be. Now there's nothing intrinsically wrong about that desire for people to like us, unless it makes us distance ourselves from Jesus. Unless it makes us compromise what we believe in to the point where we won't make a stand for Jesus. Uh, But here's the thing. To be driven by that desire to to please others, that desire to be accepted by others, is actually a lifestyle that doesn't work. Because that desire to be liked, the desire to be accepted actually makes you a slave to their approval of you. And they end up living your life rather than you living your life. And eventually, not only do you lose your spine, but ultimately you lose your identity as well. Because when their acceptance of you becomes more important than you pleasing God... Well, that desire to be liked has now gone beyond that natural desire and has revealed who your God really is. So what are we to do about this if we're in this situation? Well, check out what Peter says next in verse 20. Verse 20, he says this. He says, Peter, as for us... We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. 
Peter explains here that they're compelled by the evidence of what they've seen and what they've heard and they can't help but speak about Jesus because he's the reason for the biggest change in their lives. And that's the thing for anyone. If there's something that has made a big positive impact on you, you can't help but speak about it passionately and be excited about it. I remember when I got my first iPhone. And it was a phone where, it was my first phone where I could actually surf the internet. I could check my email on my phone, everything on the phone, automatically synced to my computer in the office. I had apps that made my life easier, provided entertainment when I had a dull moment. I even got to the point where I actually loved standing in queues because it was an opportunity for app time. I found myself so excited about my iPhone that I was actually raving about it to anyone who was willing to listen. Now, I don't know if that's how you responded when you got your first smartphone, but there's things in our everyday lives that excite us. Uh, it could be a movie, it could be a, a band, uh, your sports team, uh, a restaurant, a holiday destination. Uh, what is it for you? Now, the thing is about the iPhone, yeah, it revolutionized lots of areas of my life. And I wanted other people to experience that revolution as well. But here's the thing. When it comes to Jesus, we've got something that revolutionizes our lives on a much bigger scale. And we're not talking about convenience or entertainment. No, we're talking about something that gives us a whole new way of doing life now. Where we can be free from the guilt and the shame of our sins and our past mistakes where we can experience the life of forgiveness, where our lives can actually have real meaning and purpose, and where we can have the assurance of the eternal life to come. We're talking about having a relationship with the one who created the universe, the one who holds everything in the palm of his hand, and the one who will never let us go. And it's all because of Jesus. And what he did for us on the cross that has made that possible. And so when it comes to speaking up for Jesus, well, like Peter, we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. And part of the Spirit's work is to grow our view of who Jesus is and what he's done for us to the point where we're not obligated to speak about Jesus. No, we have to keep speaking because we can't help it. Now, the other thing for us is, it's actually easy for us to think that we don't need to literally speak about Jesus because you might think, oh, it's more important that our life does the talking. And so, so therefore, I don't need to say anything. Now, I've got to say, while our walk needs to match our talk, the Holy Spirit doesn't empower us to be silent, but instead to take the opportunity to speak up when it comes. And, and like what the Jewish leaders said earlier, that the powerful lives to be changed is in God's word being spoken, in God's word being shared as we share about Jesus. Now, our lives are important too, but our lives just backs up what we say. 
in verse 23. Uh, the Jewish leaders let Peter and John go, and Peter and John go back to the other Christians, go back to the church and tell them what has happened. Now, did you notice the response of the church? We'll see in verse 23, you see the church, they prayed. And their prayer had two parts. The first part is the theological part, and then the second part is the asking part. And let's look at the theological part first. And we see that they recognize God's sovereignty. Uh, please read verse 24 with me. Uh, we read this, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You see, from that first part of the prayer, they recognize that God's the one who has made all things, as in control of all things. And because of that, this opposition that they're facing, it doesn't surprise God. In fact, on the contrary, God predicted this back in the Old Testament, and that's why we see Psalm 2 quoted here. You see, by recognizing that God is stronger than the opposition... Well, they know that they're in good hands. Now, with regards to the asking part of their prayer, now these guys, they could have prayed for God's judgment on those who are against them, or they could have prayed for the opposition to stop, but they didn't. Instead, verse, 28, verse 29, sorry, do you see what they asked there? They're asking God for the boldness to speak his word in the face of opposition. They're basically praying that God would enable all of them to do what Peter did with those Jewish leaders. So we actually see here that prayer is absolutely essential in the work of growing God's kingdom in the face of opposition. Because prayer is the expression of complete dependence on God as we recognize His sovereignty and for His power to be at work in us as we speak about God to our world. And just like how God answered their prayer back in Acts 4, well, He'll answer out that prayer for us as well. So, what's our response? Well, in our day and age, there's pressure from our culture that it makes us, well, we want to be polite, we want to be tolerant, we don't want to offend, we want to be respectful. But all those things I've just said, we can tend to take the definition of all those things to be reasons why we're to be silent about Jesus. But the thing is, we can still be polite, we can still be respectful while speaking up about our faith. I noticed that Peter spoke to the Jewish leaders in verse 8. He, was, he did it politely and respectfully as he addressed them as rulers and elders. You see, Peter didn't try to put them down. He didn't insult them. He wasn't aggressive. But what he did was to graciously and gently lay, lay down the facts and let them think about for themselves. And it's the same for us. We can be as bold as Peter, as we too, gently and respectfully lay out our viewpoint and leave it in their hands, as well as leaving it in God's hands. 
for how they're to respond. So being bold for Jesus can take so many forms. It can simply be choosing not to join in the ungodly banter that happens amongst your work colleagues or your friends, but instead to be different as you honor Jesus in your interactions with others. Being bold may mean speaking up about your Christian worldview in a conversation. And being bold could be just taking the risk to be out there as a Christian and to possibly invite them to church or even our Christmas at Abbotsford event or Christmas Day service later on. And can I say, regarding that last one, even if you invite someone to church and they politely decline, please know that the act of inviting has actually done two things. Firstly, know that you've put it actually out there already, that you're a Christian. You've made that statement implicitly when you invite. But secondly, it actually starts a conversation where you can explore what they believe and then it may be reciprocated and they may explore what you believe. And that forms another platform for another conversation about Jesus down the track. So can I encourage you to be bold and to go out on a limb to invite someone to church or to Christmas at Abbotsford to talk to someone about Jesus and see where the conversation goes. Uh, We will have to say at times, when we do this, it may cause us discomfort. We may feel it's a bit awkward for a while. And it might mean they might treat you differently. It might mean that you'll be ostracized from your friends and family. But you know, it's worth it. As every opportunity to talk about Jesus is a stepping stone for people to come to know him. And you don't know how God will use your words to bring people to himself down the track. Can I ask you, are you prepared for people not to like you? To sit in the discomfort, to sit in the awkwardness so that people can come to know Jesus. Uh, We've seen tonight as God's people that where to be bold, where to speak up about the Lord Jesus in the face of the pressure that wants us to stay silent. And we're to do it not because we have to, but because we want to, because he's changed our life so much. And because the Spirit lives in us now, he'll give us the boldness, he'll give us the wisdom, he'll give us the words to speak. Imagine again that it's game three of this year's State of Origin. Not only were the Blues playing well that game, but when the Blues scored the try that put the game out of reach, you can imagine leaping out of your chair and letting out a shout. You just can't help it. The game's going to be over soon. There's no doubt who's going to be the winner of that game. And the same thing is for us. We know who's going to win when the final buzzer goes off. And we're on that winning side. But that's not the best bit. The best bit is that this game that we're playing called life, it isn't an us versus them thing. 
Though the victory that we share in Jesus is something that we can share with the opposition. Because the offer is there for them to be part of this world so that they don't have to miss out. And isn't that something that's worth speaking up about? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord who has made everything. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus that it's through him by which salvation is made possible. Heavenly Father, we confess there are times when we're tempted to be silent about you, to not own up to being one of yours. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will change our hearts. We pray that you will enable us as your servants to speak your word with great boldness and that through our words and lives, you will grow your kingdom here in the inner west and beyond. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.